All right. Where was it? May be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is to me that it is to whore, and not regarding something which is to whore that it is to me. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of law, and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Thank you. Okay. I am excited we finally got to the cult. Did you get to the cult? Or do you get to the cult next week? It's next, it's next, next week. week. You had to stop short in Luke 19. Are you at the cult? Yeah. Yeah, so we're at the cult. Okay, yeah. good, cool. I didn't, mean, I didn't read ahead, so I couldn't be at the cult. I stopped at the verse. Just, you stopped at the cult? Just, okay, yeah, okay. Really so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a tough crowd. I can tell. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. can you handle this? I, I thought Greg was doing I mean, I can there was a confusion on the the, the, the notification. Yeah, I, he dropped yeah. it the last I, I time. I was screaming at he did drop it. He was, he was screaming yeah, at let's the keep speaker. reminding him of that. This, the notifications are coming through on your iPad. That's why they're coming through phone. What does that mean? It means that's why it wasn't vibrating or anything, because you had your iPad open, and they were coming through there, and you were just, you know, all right, yeah, continue on, and he wasn't getting them because they're coming through. Because they're coming through. So what do I yeah. just close the app? Oh, I have no idea. I you should put it on. Do not disturb. Perhaps. Just so. What then? What I do is I just don't let it sleep. There we go. So the, I, I uh, see oh, okay. it in my Yeah, bit that works too. Yeah. yeah. It should be the little moon thing, right? The little moon thing is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Do not disturb on. Yeah, and that that'll all the so things will be beeping in there and that should go. Is that what it was? Yeah. So it wasn't the phone. Must it have was been. that this was grabbing. Yeah, because I told you when I, when I touched oh, it, I was it would be like, oh, okay, there's speaker, the text, so. but it wouldn't. Be. <laughs> Stop it! You <laughs> <laughs> got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, so just health check. I have lightened the reading since the first. Two, I think, lessons, maybe three. Two, I think. Has it been okay? Has it been too light? Has it okay. been just it's pretty much this right? You can get really it done. Good. It's yeah. been okay. I, right. I, and I've liked it. I think it's enough that like I, my wife and I can go through it, but we can kind of talk about it as we go. Because you're not overwhelmed with more right. And then we have about, eh, it takes anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour at that pace. Right. Okay. And as far as reading... I, I'm trying to get you to not read from the list at the bottom anymore, right. but read through so you get at least my comments on where I'm going. So we're okay there? Yeah. To work for you? Yeah. And for me, um, I didn't get a chance to look at it until this evening, and I was able to go right Zip through. right through. Just, just, just doing the reading and yeah. reading your comments. And yeah. that was typically like 15, 20 minutes. Okay, cool. Good. All right, so I'll leave it about the same, which means that... Uh, now it's a longer class. Okay. <laughs> I really have no problem with that. I think this is great. Well, I, I am enjoying it. I think sometimes we get, like, there was a topic that you guys brought up yet, uh, last week that you know you, we need to revisit. So yeah. even in this format, when we're taking longer, there's still things we, we need to revisit. We've got the time to do that. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, well, cool. All right, so uh, as I discussed last week, um, we hit the cult. This next week, what your, uh, your assignment will be is to take it into that first week of, uh, well, it's the last week, um, beginning at the cult and going up 
to the request for the Passover <coughs> Seder, go into the village and you'll see a man dressed in neon green and uh, he's the guy you want to talk to and he's going to show you a room that you can get at a really good price, that kind of thing. So we stop right there. So that's what next week's all about, right before getting the Seder meal set, which actually is when he is uh, betrayed. The whole 30 pieces of silver and all that, so right before that. So it's nice and short. So but he says a lot in the first several days there. Um, so that's where we're at. After we get done crucifixion, resurrection, uh, two or three weeks down, uh, we're actually going to pause, put our Bibles down, and do some topical review of what we've discussed and see, okay, what was the role of the Holy Spirit? How, how do we fare as non-Jews? What does Brett really think about Messiah? You know, those kinds of things. So, um, nothing important. Nothing important. And he's the one on what Brett thinks about That's right. <laughs> A whole night to go I, I was hoping Brett was going to bring that one in. Okay, so I don't I don't have my uh, I don't have my notes my my book with me, but in John eleven Lazarus dies and Martha's response is spectacular. Do you believe that he can rise from the dead? And what's what's her response? It is true that he can rise from the dead. It is true. <laughs> it is true. What's what's her? She's yeah, got a broad thing. At the at the resurrection. At the resurrection. I, I know that's gonna happen. Which it's kind of it, to me it was, it was kind of weird because like well. Revelation had been written yet. How does she know about that? That's exactly why I brought it up. It's like, wait a second. That's a isn't that more of a churchy thing? If you asked a Jew that, is that what they would say? I mean, An Orthodox Jew? The answer is probably yes, and we don't recognize that. Isn't that in the thirteen principles? Rambam's thirteen principles. It's the one about coming Messiah, and though he tarries, and isn't there one of the resurrection of the dead? Uh, yeah, the yeah. resurrection of the dead. So this is a given. At the resurrection, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. We say that every uh, uh, Abdullah. That's true, sir. Yeah. yeah. And also in the Shemani Yisrael, there's resuscitation of the dead. Exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, of course, Yeshua, and I think it's coming up, we'll have that discussion with the Sadducees about the resurrection of the dead. Because that's during that Passion Week. Right. And. Um, of course, the Sadducees offer a unique challenge on that because they don't believe that anything after the end of Deuteronomy is inspired. Right. right. So, so the, the rest of the Tanakh how do you prove it yeah. without using anything else. But I mean, other references in the Tanakh definitely give indication to some sort of resurrection. And as Yeshua quite brilliantly points out, it's always been there. Exactly right. And even when the burning bush is what he uses has his example of. He's not the God of the dead. Right. Even at the burning bush, he's got the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and right. the God of Jacob. In, in but that too is next week, so stop that. But no, but I, well, yeah, this is, that's a lot of your comment, though. I think Martha gets a bad rap from the church. You know, we had that one chapter we read earlier. We got the Mary Martha she's thing. Got the Mary so Martha bring, bring, us, bring us to it. And I noticed this week, and Julian and I were reading it, and I, I had never noticed this before. Do you know what it says in verse 5? Now, Yeshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Mary doesn't even get mentioned. And, and it's interesting because who goes to him first? Martha. Who's got this like awesome, faith-based... I mean, she is, 
She is smart as a whip kind of response. And Martha. And, and who's the one who's working her butt off to help everybody? Martha. Martha. So really, Mar the critique of Martha earlier, I think, almost needs to be perceived kind of the same way that we should really be taking a lot of Yeshua's critiques of the Pharisees. as like, they're allies. Like, it's almost like Yeshua is looking at Martha thinking, I expect better of you because you are so impressive. You should be able to handle the, uh, my being here better than you are right now. And so, because if you look at this chapter in John 11, Martha, to me, is actually the stronger of the two women. Agreed. In her faith. Agreed. Yeah. And that's borne out because she's the one he's talking to at the tomb. Yeah. And talking to her about her faith. And what she says is extraordinary. And she makes the Messiah declaration that up to this point, the only other reference in the apostolic scriptures of that is from Peter. And, and Yeshua makes it clear, you didn't learn this from flesh and blood. This was revealed to you by God. Exactly right. So she's, she's a step beyond most of them to begin with. Um, what would you say is... Go ahead, Todd. Yeah. I wanted to add more about Martha. You're talking about how she said, uh, at, you know, that of course he'll rise at the resurrection. I thought it's kind of funny because uh, she had told Yeshua, my brother would not have died if you had been here. But then she says, uh, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Right. Almost like she's thinking maybe, maybe something's going to magically happen. Yeah. But, I mean, but then don't we have it back least... again, it says, but of course he'll come at the resurrection. Right. So I think she's, she's uh, hedging her bet. But I, I'm wondering, I, I think as you're alluding to, He's done this at least once or twice prior to this now. We've got the, the widow's son, somebody else. I can't remember who it is, but... The daughter. The daughter, Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter, right? So, But this maybe. is still different. Yeah, this is not like he just yeah. died. No, because you have to remember, Judaism makes a very strong point that within 24 hours, and if it's a Shabbat, 48 hours, in the you ground. have to bury that body in the ground. You bet. So this body has been buried for, oh, I think she said several days. Four days. Four days. So Four we're days. talking... And she makes it clear, in the, in the King James, you get the King James, Lord, he stinketh. Yeah. yeah. He's deteriorating. Yeah. So it's not yeah, like... This will be a the, dead, the dreadful odor. Yeah. Right, the previous two <laughs> resurrections from the dead were people who had practically just died. Right. I this mean, is this is different. This is different. Yeah. We don't need to just warm the body like Alicia did. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sorry. Is this your finger? Well, and also, I think that I think there is. I mean, I don't. I have not done the study myself, but I've been told that there's some concepts about you know how long the soul stays with the body in Judaism and whatnot. So at this point, Lazarus is dead, dead, dead. Yeah. In every theological and physical way, he's dead. Yeah, and some of the comments in the apostolic scriptures are serious about people freaking out. It's like, wait a second, I I believe, right? Because it wasn't. I mean, there hadn't been a whole lot in five hundred years of raising from the dead, certainly not in their generation, and now he's done it at least twice. But to do it this way, again, it stands out. Major, even with right? Alicia raises the kid from the dead the same day he dies. Right. The guy that's thrown on Alicia's bones, he's raised from the dead when he's buried. Right. I don't think we've ever had a case in all of the scriptures of someone who's been dead for multiple days being resurrected. Or even a whole day. Exactly. You bet. How, how many make up the Sanhedrin? Seventy. How often do you think seventy guys get together to talk about one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not often. <laughs> yeah, this is big. 
Um, lege autu naikuri, ego pepestuka hati su e hakristas, hahuias tutheu, ha tan kasman erkamenas. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. It doesn't sound as cool in Greek, I get it. But this exclamation is top shelf. And it's singular. Like you were saying, it's beyond what Peter did. She's got faith that is absolutely extraordinary. Sounds a lot deeper when you say it in a different language. Oh. Yeah, well, it always does. And, you know, I was just trying to show off that I can actually read Greek. You know, most Greek people would have gone, what do you say? <laughs> All right. So, uh, being a Star Trek fan and having my friend Spock here, um, what, uh, what about Caiaphas? Same book in John, I think we're in uh, 11. Caiaphas prophesies about Yeshua's death. What's, what's the concept? What's, what's his prophesy? What does he say? He will, um, one man will die to save many. Exactly. It's better that one guy should die than the whole nation should perish. Now, before we get into any theological stuff, what is he bottom line talking about? Who's the one guy? Yeshua. How would the nation perish? From sinning. Uh, well, what happens a couple years later? The, the nation perished. The nation, yeah, uh, and, and because they rose up against Rome, Rome came in, destroyed the temple. Exactly, they went to exile again. And that's what I believe. That's before this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think that's exactly what Caiaphas is concerned about. That they're going to think this guy is is the Christ, he's the Messiah, and they're going to rush in and try and fight against Rome. Which is exactly what they did. Of course, they didn't do it with Yeshua. They did it with Prakopa. Uh, Barakokba. So, now, isn't this a Spock need? What what did Spock say? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the need of the one. Missed that episode. You missed that? Come on, it was in the movie. What was the name of that movie? Uh, Searching for Spock is right before the Wrath of Khan. Of course, in the radiation that he's behind. Also, shows up again in uh, was it Infinite Darkness? What is the new second? uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Into darkness. Isn't that weird? Two Spocks. Yeah, yeah. The old one and the new one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you didn't see that, sorry, that was a spoiler. Don't watch. Okay. Um, Okay, so in Luke 17 and 18, I'm just picking the high points that I saw. Um, Yeshua says something extraordinary. Pay attention to yourselves. And if your brother sins against you, forgive him. And if he sins against you, and I can't remember the exact text, repeatedly then you need to forgive him repeatedly. Seven times in a day. This is not the Peter thing, well, how many times do I need to? Seven times, 70 kind of thing. He just starts out with, pay attention to yourselves. Can you find that in, I'm sure it's Luke, Luke chapter 17? 17. 17. Can you give it to me? Read it to me, Scott. This is, uh, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. 
And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. What's the context? People, uh, the context right before this is he's talking about people who cause others to sin. So, if he says, pay attention to yourselves, what is he wanting me to do? Not cause others to sin because of my own behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul says later on in one of his letters. This is a second time we're seeing where Paul is actually quoting Yeshua rather than trying to find some mystical spot in the Old Testament or in the uh, Tanakh. Paul says that we should walk circumspectly. As you're walking, look around. That's circum from circumference, spectly from spectacles. So watch all around as you're walking out your faith. Walk circumspectly. Or as the Master puts it, pay attention to yourselves. Yeshua's comments um, in that context also seem to be um, in the exact same spirit that we get from Leviticus chapter 19. Exactly. Leviticus 19, 17 and 18 says, You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, which is the rebuking we saw with Yeshua, right. but shall not incur sin because of him. In other words, don't do something wrong. Don't encourage the community to sin. Exactly. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, forgiving your brother, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Um, now, question here, and Juliana brought this up in our looking at it, and I thought this was an interesting thought, and I love to every now and again to stir up a hornet's nest in this room because I think it's kind of fun. So when he says... You don't he have to make to it a you, profession, though. If he, yeah, no. <laughs> if he comes to you and says, I... Um, uh, repent, you must forgive him. What if he doesn't? What Do if he doesn't have repent? to forgive someone who has, who expresses, at, least, at very least, expresses no desire of, uh, or no sense of remorse or repentance or whatever? Todd? For your own health, <laughs> you go ahead and forgive <laughs> them. <laughs> what an excellent way of putting it. Because what will it do if you dwell on that? Mm-hmm. It just brings that bitterness in your soul and rots your bones. It's not worth it. And for you young guys, um, I think it's a good point. If, uh, if someone wrongs you, or you think that they do, the whole idea is that we need to forgive them because that's where the testimony begins. When they bump into you, and the Lord is normally pretty good about having them bump into you afterwards, if you don't carry any grudge, if you don't have any malice in your heart, they're normally astonished. And I have seen this to be a great witness. Gregory? I think we have two different things here, because in the context of this, he says, and he said to his disciples, (coughs) that's where it's more likely that people are going to be coming to you. People that know better when they've done someone wrong, that's where I think that context is more likely, Mm -hmm. like in our community, where someone's going to come to you and you forgive them. But I think what you're talking about is more of that broad thing where it's like not holding bitterness, not sure. not holding a grudge. Yeah. It's just better overall. But I, I think in well, this right, specific context, 
He's talking to his disciples. But I guess the question is, is there a difference between being bitter, holding a grudge, and forgiveness? I know that sounds kind of silly, but like here, the example that I think of is um, we are two different stories about forgiving Nazis. So Corey Ten Boom goes to the concentration camps. Her sister dies in the concentration camps. She experiences all the horrors of the Nazis. Later in life, she's trying to help Germany heal, incredibly enough. And at a church, she runs into one of the former Nazi guards from her concentration camp. Mm -hmm. And he was so moved by her, you know, sense of whatever, of, of you know, healing, whatever else. Um, he just kind of presumes that she's forgiven him. And she, as she, she ultimately does, but she said it's very difficult. Um, and then you contrast that with, uh, I can't remember if it's Ellie, Ellie Weissel or not, but one of the, one of the Jews survives the Holocaust, and they asked him, do you forgive Nazis? And he said, I can't. Not because he was bitter, but he felt like he didn't, because their sins were against so many and against God, ultimately, he didn't feel like he had the right to give them pardon. So the question I'm asking is, can you not hold a grudge but not necessarily forgive someone for having done that thing either. Are you asking me? Is it my turn? I don't think there's absolutely any question here whatsoever. Years ago, I would have said I wouldn't forgive them until they asked for forgiveness. Okay. I think I was wrong. Right. My current view <laughs> is that the Master is clear and the Scriptures are clear. God will not forgive me if I don't forgive someone else. It's as simple as that. It's not for me. There may be other sins. David said, I've sinned against man and I've sinned against God. Joseph said, how can I lie with you and sin against my God? Right. There's always two frames to it. Right. So I can right. only forgive my part of it. I'm not responsible for the other part. If right. you want to blaspheme God, God will defend himself. I'll just step back as the lightning bolt comes. So my take right now is when I'm driving down the highway and some guy cuts me off and is an absolute jerk in his car, may his tires blow out tomorrow. I'm only kidding. Um, we don't say. We don't say that. Um, I'm, I'm going to forgive him for that because I don't know the circumstances. I'm going to forgive him because I was just like that. I'm going to forgive him because of whose I am now. The guy who doesn't is the guy who's not a part of my God, in my mind. And I, and I hear what you're saying. The only, only question that I had that got raised last night that I thought was an interesting thought was, God forgives us when we come to him with some level of repentance. Now granted, there's a whole cosmic question of timing and all that stuff, sure. but there is a responsibility that we have for that forgiveness. Yes. And so the question is, is that applicable? When he says, you know, forgive as he forgives you, is that the same process? But you're, I, think, I get you're saying is no. Right. Better I'm, I'm not forgive God, everyone. And I'm, I'm going to forgive someone. I'm not saying it's flippant and simple. Mm. It's not. It's, it's not hard to forgive someone. And I can tell you quite frankly and brutally honestly, if you hurt my children, if, you've, if you hurt my wife, if we're talking about there, that, uh, I can tell you that that forgiveness 
takes a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, just because of the protectiveness that I have. Mm-hmm. But I believe if I'm wronged and I recognize that I'm wronged, my responsibility is to set the example. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also just one small thing that you had mentioned. I got you, definitely a difference between um, forgiving the individual Nazis and forgiving the Nazis, you know? Right. Okay. So, As a regime. Yeah, your personal experience, I think you should attempt to forgive those people in your own heart. Right. I think some people cannot forgive and have to ask God, please forgive through me. Please give me well, grace give me to the forgive. grace to do it, yeah. Yeah. But but just make the but choice. To, but Say, to forgive, I choose to forgive, and I ask you to do it through me. Sure. <laughs> but to yeah. forgive the Nazi regime itself, it's not no. it's not for me to forgive. No. Gregor, well, I, the one question I was having was like it kind of depends on how you see that that exchange between us and God. Like if you, I mean, because the, the the question really is like, does God forgive sins that we don't confess? Like, is Yeshua's blood efficacious of that? Because if it is, then that kind of answers the question for us because we have that example. But then if if we say, no, you have to confess it or it won't be forgiven, then then I think that it, it complicates Better it a little bit more. The priest. But I think that's a different story. Now we're talking about this, not this. But that is the picture of what should be this. So that's just why I, I brought that up. Just thinking I don't know that it is. What I'm saying is, I am obligated, as a child of the king, to represent him. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you wrong me, because I'm a child of the king, I will turn the other cheek. I will go the other mile. That's what's different about me now that was not different to before. But your forgiveness between you and God... I got nothing to do with that. I'm not an example of that. There's different things that go on there. There's even times when you cannot be forgiven. Yes. I think it has a, a, a parallel in, in both directions. And I think it has, the, the, with the difference being relationship restoration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your example of the, of the guy who cuts you off in the, in the lane, yeah. you, can, you can forgive that person if it happens to be me and 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 you see me over there, mm. you can forgive me instantly. But if I caused if I caused you to have an accident or something like that, you can still forgive me. And the next time we see each other, you're, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, forgive me for cutting you off. Mm-hmm. So the accident mm-hmm. I caused. And that's going to restore our relationship. Correct. Uh, okay. You've already right. forgiven me, though. Right. And the same thing with God. The, the blood of Yeshua was sufficient to forgive us for our sins. But when we sin... There's a break. There's a break in the relationship, and to restore the relationship with God, I've got to confess my shortcoming. Dude. He, he forgives me, and right. the relationship right. is restored. See, I love that because it's one of the things we've talked about with Yom Kippur, because one of the questions that comes up, okay, well, if the sins are forgiven, then why do you need Messiah? That's right. And I've always looked at it as saying, like, well, okay, well, first off, you have to the context is physical, physical relationship with God. Right. But also, it's the, I think it's more the idea of a... proximity as well. Right, right. And so, it's, but, but it's, so it's more of the idea of like a temporal relationship thing. God's forgiving them on Yom Kippur so they can continue to interact. Right. That's not necessarily an eternal question that never was meant to be. It's much more of like what you're describing, that fixing that relationship. Right. Here, I am admitting I did wrong, and God is saying, I accept that. Let's be friends again. Exactly right. 
Exactly right. And, and quite frankly, isn't, isn't that what our walk is all about? Right? It's not an every Sunday or every Shabbat kind of deal. It's moment by moment, am I in right standing with him? Pay attention to yourself. There it is. Walk circumspectly. Because I can damage that relationship with both my thoughts and with my deeds. Mm -hmm. And the thought may not even be a sin. But I've already damaged that relationship because now I'm supposed to be a vessel that's set apart for a holy use. And here we are throwing it in a latrine. <laughs> All right, good, 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 good comments, guys. Uh, yeah. Ten lepers? Well, technically only one. That is really odd to me. The lepers, I mean, didn't. That there's ten? There's ten of them standing there. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, so they he's coming. I get it. It's a little community. A little community, because he got a leper colony. I get it. All right. So now we got ten of them, and only one guy stops and realizes, I probably should go say thank you. <laughs> this is amazing. My life is going to be so different now. Um, I think I put in your notes. This word for foreigner is absolutely unique. And I was hoping it wouldn't be, actually. I, I, ho I was hoping it would be and this non-Jew that sort of has a relationship, but wants to, but doesn't, but, you, you know, it wasn't none of that. So it's just a foreigner. Um, comments on the comments on the one guy? Well, just like the rest of the nine, the one non-Jew was told to go and show himself to the priest. Which is odd. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Hmm. I missed that when I was reading. That's a very good point. Hmm. But it goes to show... That even the non-Jew can I participate. Like I like that in the commandments. That's very good. Yeah, and That's I mean, good. like the that'll preach there. Yeshua yeah. specifically points out that like what he did by stopping, returning, and coming back gave praise to God. Yes, it did. Meaning, like it's not like oh well, he tried, but God didn't accept it because he was a non-Jew. Yeah, he's a non-Jew. It's like no, no, it was it did, praise to it God. It did work. Yeah, but the fact that he was, yeah. But he's a half Jew, right? I know that they were not yeah. on good terms where they would go and worship in the same place. Yeah, well, they did not go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And Jews did not associate with them. And they actually normally walked around Samaria rather than going through. But I am now astonished when I think he told a non-Jew to go show himself to This is still a big deal because like, even today, I mean, I don't know how, the works, how it works out with like keeping mitzvot. But I know that when it comes to certain communal rights, like marriage, for example, if you don't have a clean biological, I am definitely Jewish link, you have to convert. Even if yeah. you have a Jewish grandpa or whatever, it's like you don't have the right line that goes the right way right. and they can't, you know, cross the T's yeah. and dot the I's, it's not good enough. Yeah. So the fact that this half Jew, if you want to even call him that, right. um, that is sent to the temple to me, is a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. And I, and I, I confess I missed it, so I'm going to have to go back and alter my notes and <laughs> do all of that and uh, put a sub-note for Scott. Brock. This what? You're a half-Jew? <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Definitely not. Um, 
to me, this was interesting. Not necessarily that it said this, but when I first read this, because um, I had accidentally read before in, in, uh, in, in Matthew, it was in Mark, where Yeshua was talking about paying attention, and, and, and he, you know, because the kingdom of heaven isn't, it, it will come on you in flash. Yeah. It, and, and to me, this was a kind of situation like that where the nine went away, and they were so caught up in, you know, either going to the temple so they get back to their families. Or going home. You, you, whatever, can, you yeah. can read in whatever you want to that. But the one guy recognized the situation for what it was, and he went back, and, and you show praise and say, this gives praise to God. Yeah. And it reminded me that, you know, we need to be the same way in our everyday lives because when good things happen to us, you know, it's easy. Sometimes it's almost easier to remember God in the bad things. Yeah. When the good things, it's not sure. so much. Yeah. That's, that's what jumped out to me. Yeah. You lose the job, you fall to your knees. Yeah. You, you get a job or you get a promotion or something, and we don't. And it's the same thing with that when we eat. If our eating is supposed to be an act of worship, and we're all faithful to bless God for this food and for that food and for this wine and for that, and if you're like me, at the end of the meal, your belly's full, you forgot all about God. That's exactly what he tells you not to do. I mean, exactly. he tells me not to do. I exactly, yeah. yeah. All right. So um, let's let's talk uh, eschatological mm-hmm. moments. So eschatology is a study of the eschatos or of the last days, and uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because I could spend, I think Scott and I spent seven years on it. But uh, broken into three and a half segments, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. A little bit more than halfway through the second three and a half. <laughs> Sorry, that we was decided, an eschatological yeah, joke. Uh, there we go. Oh. That was an eschatological so joke. Very long podcast. That'd be amazing. That's right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's flip over to verse 22 in either Luke 17 or 18, and I can't remember which one it is, so I'll go look it up here. End of 17. Time is coming. And you yeah, something like that. Yeah, starting in verse 22. All right, hang on. I'm, I'm moving that way quickly. 17, 22. All right, who wants to uh, who wants to read a couple of verses for me? Who's got that? Go ahead, Bob. Start at 22 and give me until uh, 25. 22 to 25. Okay. He said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will long to see one day like the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And if they say to you, Here it is, or there it is, do not go, and do not run after them. For like lightning that flashes from one end of heaven and illuminates to the other end of heaven, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Thank you. You're very good. Congratulations to your mother. (laughs) Thank you. So, um... So we all know about the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye. How many how many are familiar with, maybe haven't read the Left Behind series? Tim LaHaye and somebody Jenkins. I'm not sure who the co-author was. What's the bottom line? Jerry Jenkins. That's what it was. What's what's the bottom line to the Left Behind series? Bottom line is um, rapture occurs. The rapture occurs. Which, to translate for those who did not grow up in the church, means you're taken up out of the earth to go spend eternity with God. You being the Christians. And who's left? 
all everybody else, um, including the uh, you know soon to be saved. You know, the, the guys on the fence. Guy, yeah, the guys on the fence. Um, apparently, basically all the Jews, you know, are something close to it, of course. Sure. And then, and so the the series was about the concept about you know what are the people who are left behind in that, which is an interesting perspective. It's very similar to the song which we'd all been ready. Um, uh, old was that by the Carpenters? I don't remember. It may have been. I don't remember. It's an old, <laughs> old song. Uh, probably not. DC Talk did it at one point. It's all I know. Oh, really? That's if you're going way back, old school right. and Christian music. But you, you got it. So yeah, what I want to quickly hit on tonight is verse 37. So we're going to talk about this be left behind in light of verse 37. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, one of my favorite lines, Where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. How many of you feel that you know exactly what he's talking about, and you use this when you get on the bus all the time? Sure. Okay. Nobody. <laughs> right. I feel like I have an idea. Maybe for the first time in a while. All right. So let's run through it real quick, and let's see who's left behind. So we're going to play Who's Left Behind. <laughs> who's Left Behind game. Verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. That's what we want to learn about the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Boom! <laughs> that was quick. That was quick. Who got left behind? People not in the ark. People not in the ark. What happened to the people not in the ark? Well, they they died. They drowned. So what do you got when they drowned? Corpses. 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 What is the plural of corpses? Is it corpses? Corpses. 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 We're going to use corpses for tonight. It may be wrong, but your mother will correct us tomorrow. <laughs> so, you've got corpses. And where their corpses are, there the vultures will gather. But after the floods have receded. Correct. So, in the Left Behind series, who's left behind talking about being left behind? Everybody else on the world besides no one. How would you call them? What were they called? Unbelievers. Non-believers, right? Unbelievers are kind of... Non-believers. Non-believers. But really... In Noah's day, what happened to the non-believers? They all died. They all died. Hence the corpses and the vultures. Well, let's see if that, that works. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur, rain from heaven and destroyed them all. Darn, there it is again. Who got left behind? Sodom. Folks in Sodom. Well, and Lot's wife. And Lot's wife. Now, we don't know what happened with Lot's wife, but I can tell you the vultures didn't have a good time with the guys in Sodom. That's just like burnt meat. I mean, who wants that? Not the vultures. And sulfur. And sulfur. It's smelly and all of that. makes sense. So, are you picking up on the fact that maybe the book wasn't right? Was Noah removed? He was given a to chance to, to remove himself from the city. So, was it before God? Noah? Let's go to Lot. Was Lot 
removed from the earth as the rapture stories go. Who was left on the earth after the Lot thing happened? Corpses. Lot. No, Lot. No, sorry. Lot and his and his two daughters. Remember their names? In the days of Noah. Who's left on the earth? Noah's family. Can you see how it's backwards from the way the book goes? But actually, it fits more with what, what if you keep reading, if it, the, the left behind thing fits more with saying that there will be like two women together. And like Did we one get to that gone. one yet? Well, it's just, no, but it's just right there. I was just it's saying. It's just right there where? It's in 30, 30. Oh, in the same passage. Okay, let's get to that. Stand by. Okay. Yes, uh, sir. When I read that line, this is what, maybe I should sit, maybe I should wait to get to this. Okay. Because you're going to go to the vulture thing? Yeah. I want to hear the vulture thing when we get to it. All right. So we got Noah. We got Lot. Am I okay? Okay. But real quick, it says, remember Lot's wife. I thought about that because of the six remembrances. The, the, yeah. It's like kind of a mitzvah to remember those six things because it says, remember this, right, this, right, and that. Right. This is where Yeshua adds one. Remember Lot's wife. It's just one verse, 32. <laughs> Command. <laughs> it's just it's kind of it's just that is like one verse it's and, and funny it's funny that it's just That's like good. right there somehow yeah. it just sticks Remember out wife. we gotta add that one we gotta have to add that one yeah, yeah. alright like right, so let's jump to uh, 31 on that day let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away and likewise let the one who is in the field not turn back Remember Lot's wife, who turned, turned back. back. Good. That's mm-hmm. quick. You got that. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Now, how many of you have spoken to someone my age or older who talks about having lost a loved one who died and has heard them use the phrase, well, Pop was, uh, Pop was taken about five years ago. Right? Mm-hmm. What happened to Pop? Bought the farm. Pop bought the farm. <laughs> Pop's actually buried in the farm now because Pop died. And where the corpse is, the vultures are. If we look at this bed, one will be taken and the other left. If you make it consistent with Noah and Lot, who's in the bed? Alive. Lot. No, wait. Mm-hmm. The one left is, is the, the good one. The good one, the believer. Mm-hmm. The one who's taken is See, not taken know. out of the world, gone, evacuated, disappeared, invisible, like the believers in the Left Behind series, but rather the one who's lying in the bed is alive and has been protected within 
a sphere of influence. Let's continue. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. What do you think? Where would they be taken? That's the question. Which taken means they died. But I think that's the birds, right? That's what they ask. Right. Where? (laughs) Where the vultures are, where the corpses are, the vultures will gather. Which to me sounds, I feel, it feels like that verse, are we, are we to that point now? We're up to that point. Well, so that, that verse first. has always been out of place to me, unless you reverse what everybody teaches us it believes. Right, it I, means. Yeah. What do you think, Ron? Go ahead, Mr. Well, my, corpse. That, that my thought had to do more with the, the, the line where the corpses are, not That's, necessarily for a vulture where are the Where are the corpses? Well, the first thing I thought is... You can't say with the vulture. <laughs> well, the first thing I thought was the Valley of the Ghetto. Okay. okay. Because according to some historical analysis and revelations, a lot of a lot of people are killed there, like ate a lot. Sure. This they, this yes. would be the, the, the final battle kind of thing. Yeah. I get that. So if that's what to to what he's alluding, then what about the woman grinding? What about the woman in bed? Well the two people in bed could well, be manual. Like I said, I think as I read this this time for the first time, I thought to myself, "What are we ever complicating this?" He says, "And the other one will be taken; it'll be left." And their answer was, "Where?" And he says, "Where the body is, the vultures will also will gather." And it's like they're gonna die, right? That just seems—it's like he wasn't trying to be, you know, mysterious and confusing. And we don't have a little verse practice where the, the disciples said. And they did not know what he meant by these words. <laughs> you know, I think they got it. They think they got it too. <laughs> All right, so now, how do we deal with the Greek for taken? Well, what is the Greek for taken? Paralambano. When I use that word normally, what I mean. I used it in Harris Teeter the other day, and the woman just looked at me, and I, you know, I'm like, all right, yeah. So what's, what are we talking about? It means to bring alongside. Ah, the Greek experts here. <laughs> well, we, we did spend a good amount of time studying. At least three and a half years, right? At least three and a half years. So if it means to bring alongside, some of the, uh, some of the words in this passage and some of the others we'll look at um, mean to protect within a sphere of danger. The, the concept of Jimmy Olsen is about to get shot with a five, five, six, and eight of submachine gun, <laughs> with a, with a uh, anyway, and just as the note. bullets start to go, Superman jumps in and stands in front of him, and all the bullets are bouncing off his cool chest. <laughs> that would be that type of protection within a sphere of danger, and that is definitely talked about. That's not here. So how do we reconcile that? And we made a, we made a, I thought we made a pretty good argument that the bad people die. That's why we got vultures. But Scott is saying that the people that are taken are taken to 
someone well, in a good way. That's a dark thing. These are man's gather. Mine says gather together. That's not the same one. All right. What's, what was the word again? Paralambana. And you can get that with um, if you touch on taken in verse thirty-four. You'll see oh, it's okay. Paralambana. Yeah. Oh, look at that Paralambana. I was in the wrong verse. Well, you know what happens. Yes. Sir. I want to go back to the the, uh, the, the vultures. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back to the part where uh, where Noah was saved by where he where his family was saved. But yes. Everybody else was um, killed. Was killed by the by the flood. Um, yeah. One question. If, if there was if there, so after the flood receded and and there are all these dead cor there are all these corpses corpses or corpses on the ground. Where would like where where would the people come to take them? Like I mean, how like. Where where did these people come from that take these uh, corpses? To like where did they take these corpses? And also how did they? I, I don't know. I'm just I don't know how to put this. A lot of dead there. bodies. A lot of dead bodies. And yeah. how did they take them? I don't think they you need to worry about where the dead bodies get taken care of or buried or anything like that because I think as one of these young men said, they're probably all down near the bottom, filling with gas, and then they let go of the gas, they go down, rotting. Obviously, this is a Greek word, but could this word be similar to the words used during um, the uh, in Egypt, the the Passover, the death of firstborn? Were they taken? Could this be similar? Clever, no, but clever. Well, so question then: yes. How does this line up with the parallel passage in Matthew? I know we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but but let's consider the passage we're in. It just seems and, a shame not and, to mention the Matthew. Passage. And let's talk. Well, let's talk about this one just a little bit more. Let's relook at this. Noah and his family are on the earth. Everybody's eating and drinking and giving in marriage and so forth. Is Noah with them? It's probably building the ark. Where, when it started to rain, He's where was earth. Noah? He was, remember God said, come into the ark. Right? God's in the ark. So Noah is being protected within a sphere of danger. As opposed to being removed, removed from the danger. Or as we presupposed a moment ago that he was right in the midst of the danger and just didn't happen to die. That's not the case with Noah, right? He did get into the ark and was protected within a sphere of danger. Let's look at Lot. Where was he? He was right there in the city with him. You got to leave the city. Why do I have to leave the city? Because I can't rain down fire and brimstone until you're gone. Where do I have to go? Anywhere but here would be really good. <laughs> I'm going to protect you from this danger. My Passover parallel still works. I was just I was just applying to take it to the wrong people. Yes, you were. Because the uh, Hebrews were under a sphere of protection. That's exactly right. And anyone who wasn't 
come back. That's right. Mm -hmm. So the ones that were within the sphere of danger and yet divinely protected is exactly what this word means. Who's taken? And who's left? Now, it's just the opposite. But I still think that it lines up with a similar end result, not unlike what we were describing earlier, and very much unlike the Left Behind series. Because well, in, in this scenario we're describing, the being taken is basic. It's, it's like the, you know, the James Bond movie, right before everything blows up, they get out of the way kind of deal. It's not the... Yeah, the invisible car finally gets traction on the ice, and they get out, right. and then it yeah, blows it's like, up. It's yeah. like it's not the uh, take them out, wait three and a half years, then blow everything up. You know, it's like this is a this is a last minute God saving His people because He is wiping everybody else out. Not a I really want my people to suffer. So let's get them out of the way first. Yeah, I think the key here, and we don't have time to go into it, and I'm sure um, we could have some fun with it. But it doesn't happen once, guys. It happens more than once. Not just once. It happens twice. So we need to determine which one he's talking about. In a, a better book is the Fourth Reich. That one was uh, more accurately describing. <laughs> well, I mean, because I remember there were scenes in it that sound yes. exactly yes. like that. We're going to that book. I know, but I, I think it's really interesting. Um, it is a great book. Van been, Campen it, wrote it. Quite embellished, but um, yeah. but pretty accurate when it comes to some of these things. Like in in fact, I just I remember several scenes in it where it was exactly like you're describing. It almost makes you think of like Moshe walking through the hail, you know, where it's like you know there's crazy flying yes. things everywhere, yes. but oh, they won't touch that guy. That's right. Like, he's That's exactly he's one right. of the lambs. In fact, we see that in Revelation, the three and a half years. They try to kill these two guys, and they can't. And then they do. Yeah, I was just going to draw one other real quick parallel between um, Noah is described elsewhere in the scriptures as a righteous man in his Lot generation. Is also described as a, a righteous. Lot was his spirit was vexed. Right. His soul was vexed. You bet. So the righteous were the ones who were protected Correct. within that sphere of danger. That's right. So taken's probably not a good. English word to right. use for parallel and bond. Right. But uh, forgive me for sending you down the wrong way so that I could get you hooked and then show you. But it really was fun. <coughs> Sorry. Watch our real swing. <laughs> I think Parallel Bono was the co author of the left behind. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's Jerry Jenkins. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna come back to that again when we get into uh, next week. There's a, a whole lot going on in Matthew with the parallel passages. Um, so I, I just got to ask if, if let's, let's just say for sake of argument everybody except Micah you're God on the planet amazing power, can do anything you want blind guy walks up to you and says son of David help me let my eyes see would you actually ask Sarge Medley what do you want me to do for you I was hoping to make the next bus and I missed it. <laughs> Don't you think that's just a little bit odd? Well, I mean, he is blind. That's the point! <laughs> Can anybody tell me why did he ask the blind guy what he wanted him to do? 
I want you to make me run faster. No, I want you to make me be able to cook a three-minute egg in two minutes. <laughs> I want to be wealthy. No. Healthy. No. Wise. No. I don't get it. Can anybody help? Anybody? Anybody? I don't have an answer. Sorry. Anybody? Nobody got any help. reminds me of the, um, I don't know, in some ways it reminds me of the Solomon story, right? So God visits Solomon in a dream and asks him, what do you want? It's this whole kind of like, you know, you can have anything kind of implication. Solomon asks for wisdom. I don't know. To me, I kind of feel like it's almost the same thing here. So, so Bartimaeus. Really? No, no, no. Listen to me. Now, hear me out. Bartimaeus is crying out for help, but he never actually says what he wants. Specifically. Right. So he walks up. There's a blind guy asking for help. Yeah, I know, but... Blind but, guys have been asking for help for three and a half years. But hear me out. I think that Yeshua wanted to, him to hear what he wanted, to say what he wanted, to express it. Okay. I think that this sort of dovetails a little bit with some of the what he was talking about at the very beginning of this chapter and talking about the um, the woman who's beating on the door asking the judge to... The unregistered judge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And saying, basically, you know, you, you get what you ask for. So I think he wanted the blind man to say specifically what he wanted. I think it was good for the blind man as well as for those who are watching. I can work with that. Because I can work with that. Because to your point, this would be the perfect opportunity to go, oh, well, I was going to mention blind, but I mean, <laughs> being really wealthy, actually, <laughs> it would have been a perfect opportunity to switch it up, but he didn't because it, and then, you know, of course, Yeshua says, your faith has made you well. Yeah. And also, wasn't he being followed by a crowd? Um, because well, Yeshua always was. Yeah, yes, um, but in this case, wasn't there like, uh, there, uh, what I read, there were, weren't there two? No, that's in Matthew. Okay, that's well, there, okay. there were even two okay. blind men. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know there was at least one. You know what's one. funny about that is, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, I think, is, isn't he also the one that has the two demoniacs? Yeah. Matthew apparently. Did you see my post? He's got a bunch of doubles. I know, I know, but, but Matthew likes to see double, apparently. Yeah. But I think, this, this is just a thought, Juliana points out that Luke actually names the guy Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus Bartimaeus Matthew mentions two right actually that makes sense if there were two that Luke would only focus on the one that everybody knows right we're talking about Bartimaeus you remember Bartimaeus yeah this is his the story. blind guy yeah I rather than sure. you know Matthew's going well that's, that's the same argument with Matthew and with the two the, demoniacs right Here's the one who's talking and wants to go back with him and all of that and he only mentions the one so Mark okay. and Luke are a much almost a more personal account. Matthew is is wanting is wanting to like wow you yeah basically all right so here's my thought on why he asks the blind guy I thought you said you didn't have any ideas I lied <laughs> it was a uh, an educational structure what do you call it a uh, a teaching, a teaching device <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Why on Yom Kippur, when we're standing here and we're all beating our chests, do we have to actually say out loud the sin for which we want to be forgiven? Sir? Because God wants us, God wants to know that we actually, He wants to hear us say it, to know that we actually want Him to forgive us. For that specific sin, exactly. Right. Like the case with the blind man, where he where he let the blind man ask what he wants right. and forgive him. Okay. Exactly right. And really, it's a concept that we don't really have in Christendom. And that is, if you'll recall, a couple of weeks ago, 
the disciples come to him and say, Hey, would you do what John did and teach us to pray? How many think they had no idea how to pray? They didn't know how to pray. They were Jews. They know how to pray. What are they asking him for? Forgiveness? No. Specificity. Yeah. Exactly how is it that you pray? When you're praying, is there some phrasing or something that you use? You tie your seat this way. You wear your slacks that way. You tie your shoes that way. You, we want to be associated with you. So teach us how you pray. What did he say? He didn't say, watch it now, if you grew up in the church, when you pray, think these thoughts. <laughs> He specifically used the word lego, which is Greek for to speak. When you pray, say this. Emphasis on say. Absolutely without question. What is the difference between praying and thinking? Praying is out loud. Praying, yeah, and it's as simple as that. And thinking is kind of a personal thing. Thinking is quiet. quiet yeah. Thinking is you. Praying is out loud. God wants to hear our prayers. If you grew up thinking is prayer, you were lied to. It's as simple as that. I wish there was some other way to put it. It's not. So we need to be doing yes way out loud? We do. Just quiet. You should be doing it out loud. When you pray the Amidah, the standing prayer, you should be saying it out loud. Loud enough for him to hear you but not the guy next to you. Or your mother, she happens to be next to you. What about Hannah's silent prayer? Say again. What about Hannah's silent prayer? Uh, Hannah's prayer was not silent. In fact, her mouth was moving, and she was speaking, and the priest and Eli thought she was drunk. Okay. So, okay. Um, Good question. So, when, when we pray out loud, it really kind of shows, so it really shows that to God, we're really um, serious. Serious about this, yes. Exactly right. And I think that's that exactly why He wanted Bartimaeus to verbalize. Just tell me what you want. And to show him, and to show him how devoted we are. Yeah. To Him. So. And it's yeah. an action. You know, Julianne and I were talking just recently about um, when you do something wrong, or even when you do something right, but you you want something, you want maybe you don't deserve, especially. Right. You gotta. You have to do. Something. Yes. To really demonstrate that you really want this. Yes. Even if the doing something isn't particularly effectual. Right. Or the, or a big deal. Or even that big of a deal. It's like, but as long as you do something, the person you're asking recognizes, okay, so I'm not just wasting this. This person isn't taking this for granted and they're not just making demands of me. They're demonstrating that they that they really want this. Here's here's another example. I respect you. Greatly. I've been thinking it for the past five minutes. I didn't know if you knew. <laughs> How does he know? I said it. It's the same thing with prayer. All right, we have to move on. Oh, but Boy, I like the subject. <laughs> okay, I'm in Matthew 20 now. Quick question. I'm in, uh, I'm going to say verse 17 of Matthew 20. Can we go there together? 
Almost there. Matthew 20. Okay, I am here at verse 17. Matthew 20. Yeah, that is, isn't that odd? Yeah. Um, you're talking to a guy and he says that he's going to be coming back. I just think that's weird. Anyway. Um, as Yeshua was going up to Yerushalayim, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we're going up to Yerushalayim, and the Son of Man will be delivered over... To whom? These are the men who had him killed. I realize the Pharisees had their problems. I realize the Pharisees get dinged major by the Master. But the Son of God himself describes to whom he was handed over. It was the chief priests and the scribes. They are the ones who condemned him to death. The Pharisees were not involved. Then he delivers, they deliver him over to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. Who were those non-Jews? The Romans. They're going to do three things. Mock him, flog him, and crucify him. And he'll be raised on the third day. So, can somebody tell me the difference? The he, by the way, is not there in the Greek. Um, can somebody tell me the difference between whipped and flogged. How about you younger guys? Anybody? You know? Uh, I just don't know what flogged is. Is it whipped with a one one chord string? What? As, it could be more than one. Flopped. It could be three, four. It could be 40. But what am I doing to you? We're still... You could say it. Whipping you. What's the difference between that and flogging? flogging? Even if I use a flagellum when I'm whipping you, what's the difference? I was learning so a whip is something that just kind of cracks at you as a flogger that actually grabs onto you yeah, and pulls away. Right. So a whip is nothing but something straight. It could be a piece of leather. It could be a piece of wire. It could be a rubber band. It doesn't matter. You're getting whipped with something, and all it's going to do is smack you Maybe leave a welt. Flogging, they took pieces of pottery, pieces of bone, and pieces of glass. And they would attach them to these leather strips. And they would strike you. And the straps would go around your body. Those pieces of bone, pottery, and glass would cut into you. And then they would twist it and pull to rip off major pieces of flesh. That's flogging. They remove meat. It's unpleasant. It's barbaric. And it's what my master went through for you. At the hands of the Romans. They, I, I mean, think they're the ones that made it up, right? It wasn't the guys right before him, was it? Oh, man, I'm not sure. But the point, or was though, that crucifixion? Um, they definitely the crucifixion yeah, they, thing. That they, was them on that, that one. That was the Romans all the way. Yeah. But, the, uh, but I think the, the, the comment you made, I think this really stands out, stands out, is that it was the Gentiles that killed him. Really, for the last two millennia, the Jews should have been telling all the non-Jews, you're the Christ killers. That's right. We're the ones who killed him. Right. I mean, we, we handed him over, but you guys killed him. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, talk about, like, I mean, it, worst case scenario, the chief priests really are just the accomplice here. I mean, the Romans, because I think the thing is, people always assume, you know, well, the, the, he was condemned to die by the chief priests, therefore they were responsible. But the irony is, um, the Romans did it almost out of, like, pure brutality. Like, they didn't even have a reason for killing him. Yeah. They just did it. Yeah. Well, it was requested, and they did it. Simple as that. But you see, you know, Pilate has a moment, a, a small moment, but a moment of crisis, a moment of conscience. Where Due he, to his... His wife. But he could have said no. He wasn't obligated right. to. He, right. he did it because I'm, it was a In fact, he, was he, he was his practice to let one of them go, yeah. and he gave the crowd the opportunity. I mean, the Jews, at this point, were the subjugated people. The people in charge... Yes. Were the Romans? Yes, and they chose to kill the Messiah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Good, got it. Good, 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 good. Uh, all right. right so underneath that, by the way, there's another question to the mother of the sons of Zebedee, where it says, "What do you want?" Yeah. And then I think he also asked his own mother when she asks him about the wine at the yeah, wedding. What do I have to do miracle. with you? What do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, he asks that a lot. Yeah, he does. He asks you a lot of questions. He's, he's a man of questions. Okay. Um, in Luke 18, this means, by the way, we have 10 minutes. For those of you who haven't picked up on that. Yet. Oh, no, 10 minutes. Yep. Oh, in Luke chapter 18, the Master says that everything written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And then he lays out what those things are. Delivered to the Gentiles, mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon, and then flogged, killed, and raised. Now, if you want some extra credit this week, unless you can do it right off the top of your head now, that would be pretty astonishing. I'd like to see if you can find where it says in the prophets that the Messiah will be delivered to Gentiles, mocked, shamefully treated, Spit upon, flogged, killed, and raised. If you only get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven things. If you only get five out of seven, you get no credit. Okay, there we go. Kind of a, seems pretty blatant what he says, and yet the disciples don't understand it. I think in the way that the Jews... Were, were partially blinded to who he was, deliberately, by the act of God. The same thing happened to them. They just didn't get it. And then, bing, and the light bulb went on. So. But I also think that it has to do with the fact that it was just too shocking and confusing. It didn't fit their worldview. I mean, imagine, you know, right now, if, um, you know, in the, in the midst of his acceptance speech and telling everyone he's how great is to be president, Donald Trump said, and by the way, Three years into my term, I'm planning to die. And everyone would be kind of like, he doesn't actually mean that, right? I mean, we're like, what are we talking about? It would just be so like hard to wrap your head around. Sure. I think that in this case, this is an even more extreme scenario. This is somebody that they are they have committed themselves to being the Messiah. They, he says he's the Messiah. The Messiah is not supposed to die. He's well, supposed to rule. But according to the Son of Man, well, it's, it's there. been prophesied right. that no, no, he no. would die. And it's right. But my point is that I think that the disciples, we... 
I think we, we I think it's understandable that they don't get it because in their minds it's outside of the realm of possibility. It's incomprehensible. I get it. And yet he said something similar to this previous to this. But he speaks and in parables. And Peter said, yeah. It ain't gonna happen. Right. Don't don't even think about that. And he said, Get behind me, Satan. That's true. But I do think that he speaks in parables enough that the disciples I don't know. I they're, they're probably going, We gotta ask him later what that means. Yeah, I know. They're all in the they, background going, I knew it was going to be wrapped the bread from the... They, they've shown that they understand... When he makes an extra reference to, to a, a prophecy that was the prophets, they've understood it before. So why would Well, there was no romance here. That's why I brought it up. Okay. There, I, don't, I don't... There's no cool Clear. phrase that he used that I could go back and find. It's like... My, he knows that they should know because don't we all know about the Messiah? Yeah, how would you recognize him? You're supposed to recognize him. How would you know? What do we do now? We look at what Maimonides said about who the Messiah will be and the ten things that he has to do. Or seven things or whatever he's got in his list. That's what the Jews do today. That's a mistake. If there's anybody that should be able to go back a thousand years before Maimonides... And say, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, you got a short list there, bud. And that's a good one, Mr. Bud. But there's like 15 other things that you skipped. And even your own sages said there seemed to have been like a, two different ones. Messiah ben Joseph and Messiah ben David. So which one are you talking about? In fact, uh, oddly enough, the list that Yeshua gets here... Um, some of these items, especially turning over to the Gentiles, being killed by the Sounds Gentiles, a whole lot like Joseph. Actually, is referenced by the sages, and to be quite frank, I'm not really sure where they're getting that from. But they got it. Well, like it's we there. should be able to get it if they got it, and we can cheat because we like, can see where they I got it. I can get some of them. Let's but do that. that one. That was a tough one. Turning them over to the Gentiles is not one that leaps out of the of the pages. But Joseph was turned over to Gentiles. Right. True. So. If he's a, a type of Messiah, mm-hmm. hmm? it's pretty gaseous. I was wondering if he's okay. Well, it's, as, as soon as I think of something, you're saying it. So <laughs> We've been that way since we met. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to close with Zacchaeus. How many of you know Zacchaeus? Wee little, little guy? man. Right? Wee little man. Wee little man. Yeah, so his name is not Zacchaeus. It's not Lot. It's Lot. Lot. It's not Zacchaeus. It's Zacchaeus. Just in case you were wondering. Ours doesn't have the same pop. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Today salvation has come to this house. Why? Because he knows her name. Good. Because salvation, Yeshua, is in the house. Nice. But he's got a double entendre going. He is surely claiming that, that Zacchaeus has come into proper or right relationship with the Holy One, blessed is he. What did Zacchaeus do to be saved? Or did he just have to think something? Climbing up the tree, was that it? Climbing down from the tree. Giving dinner, showing up for dinner, washing his hands before dinner, 
Jump in any time, guys. He recognizes sin and repented. He recognizes sin and he repented. This is an action. How do we know that he did that? He spoke it. He said it. Back to the prayer thing. He said, if I defrauded anyone, I will make it right fourfold. If I've taken anything, I'll give it back. He spoke it. He believed it. And that was good enough. The, the verbalization was the evidence that there was an inward, inward change. change. Exactly right. Mm. Which is what we've learned, right? I'm saved. I believe in Yeshua as the Messiah. Really? Prove it. What's the outward indication that there's been an inward change? Your life has to change. I would bring your attention, my friends, to what Yeshua said. I'm your friend? At the end of this passage about Zacchaeus, since we are studying about being non-Jews, what exactly does he say? Has anybody got it up there? I think it starts with since. What's he saying? You've got to speak louder now because this man over here is deaf. Look at that hat. He's deaf. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeshua said to him, Today this house has today this house had a salvation for he is also a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and save lost there it is why is Yeshua not surprised because he is a son of Abraham he already knows about God he knows about repentance and making clear his tshuva or turning about. Gentiles don't know this stuff. Gentiles have to be taught this stuff. This is what the Torah is all about. Reconciliation, making our sins right with God and doing what is necessary in order to make it right. Shocking. Since he was the son of Abraham. Salvation has come to this house. It didn't come to another house. Maybe the guy next door, who was an Anjou, came to this house since this guy was the son of Abraham. Final comments? Question? So not son of Israel, but son of Abraham, Abraham who was the father of many nations. It is true that he was a, a father of many nations. I do think it's kind of a, a cool story to follow on the rich ruler mm -hmm. because it sort of is the opposite of it. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, it almost reminded me of, of sort of where it's like, if you have to ask, am I saved? Like, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, you know, I think I'm good to go, but like, like if you have to ask, you're probably not, you're, that's not the right attitude to have. Like, this, his attitude is sort of like, I'm, I'm going to do anything it takes, you know, like a very much more of a humble attitude. It's interesting that Zacchaeus was amazingly wealthy. Not unlike the guy right before him. And the, man, and the master says, it is hard. It is hard for rich guys to yeah. enter the kingdom of heaven. And going back to Yoro's conversation from last week, you're talking about what is being rich, like you shouldn't be rich. 
is that the what's coming off from the what you should was saying, and I think that that guy when Yeshua was talking to the rich guy, he specifically talked about that guy. That rich guy. He was had a problem with that money. guy had a problem with money. Zacchaeus doesn't seem to, or at least he doesn't anymore. Exactly right. Guy, and that's what matters. The guy that's volunteering to give only had to give half. But the guy that didn't volunteer had to give everything. <laughs> yeah. So he specified the terms up front. That's right. All right. Yes. Um, yes, sir. There are different, like there are many different kinds of wealthy. Actually, there's like, and being rich, there are different kinds of ways. Like you could be rich of faith, you could be rich, wealthy of love, you know, family and all. Um, I just, I think that's, and I, and yeah, I just, really, I'm not really the kind of uh, wealthy as in money kind of guy. I mean. Well, we you should, may we, not be, and that's we, not a bad thing, we but all, we need to understand that these two guys were definitely wealthy with money. Yeah, but I, re- but I really think that instead of, the, instead of the money part, we should really be wealthy in faith and in love in, for God and what he's done for us. So I think that should be our like, main thing right now. Like, we, you know, my master said something like that, too, that I should lay up treasures for myself in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot get. I, I actually read something. I actually read um, something like that where he, where if you give, if you let everything go, for for God, he will. He, there will be a truckload, literally. A, there will be more than that. There will be tenfold treasure sure. in heaven. Yeah. He opens up the windows of heaven. I just thought that was. Cool. It is cool. All right, it's time, guys. So this next week, you're beginning the walk of the cult down from Bethany into Jerusalem, and we've got the first several days of his last week. And just to point out, there's two very significant things going on here. By going to Jerusalem, everybody around him, as close to him, knows this is dangerous. He's walking into the lines. This is very scary, which is probably why... The crowds go bananas. The second point being that they get all excited because I think the idea is it's like Yeshua is going down to essentially face off with his internal enemies, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And everyone gets the sense this is a climactic moment. We know for sure that the, uh, the religious leaders did. And they got upset about it. Well, the disciples were scared. Like that's the references previous. Like they were amazed he was going to Jerusalem. Like, are you kidding? Like this, after this all week, this stuff that happened. This week you'll read that they were afraid. And the the people in Jerusalem already for the festival were saying like, "Well, he show up," and they were like, "He's not going to miss the festival." I mean, come on. Yeah. We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. You've not established our portion with idlers, for we rise early, and they arise early, but we arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil, but we toil and receive reward. They toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run, we run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written in you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days, but as for us, we trust in you. Amen.